Amen. In this, right, this is good because we're going back to Jesus. We've been in a sermon series called Back to the, back to the Basics, right? Back to Basics. Uh, hey, Facebook, if you're watching live, thank you. I'm Joseph Bonilla. I'm the youth director here. Uh, we meet every Friday at 7 p.m. Jeremiah almost slipped up, says 7 a.m. You're starting school soon, right? How many of you guys are excited for school, right? All right. All right. Come on. How many of you are excited for, to see all your friends in school? Yeah, it's a new age. It's a new day. Ain't nobody. Ain't no new friends, man. No new friends. Okay. All right. Well, listen, whether you like it or not, school is starting. And I see it a lot. People, man, they're so hyped for Jesus in the summer. They get to school. And all of a sudden, man, they see a pretty girl in seventh period. And they're like, dang, let me ditch eighth period and chill with her. Let's go to back in the day. People used to ditch and go to Nick's, uh, Nick Giro's. It's a place on. I, I went to Taft, by the way, just to let you know. And it's a place by Taft. So we went. So we used to eat there. People would ditch, go over there. People would ditch just just stay in school while they ditch. I don't know. People were weird back then. I don't know if you guys still do that today. But here's the thing, right? Let's, this sermon series was to encourage you guys to get to the fundamentals of our faith, right? We learned about Adam and Eve, right? The fall, the curse. We learned about now the promise given to God. What, had it, what they had in common was there was going to be an offspring, okay? The offspring was going to be promised to Abraham's descendants. Man, he only had a few kids with Sarah. Then we fast forward to what? Moses, okay? And Moses, he was given the law to give to the Israelites. The Israelites didn't obey it. They didn't obey the law. They didn't do any of the ceremonial festivals consistently. Uh, They were wicked. They kept complaining about God, and they wanted to go back to slavery. We understood that, okay? Then we went to the prophets, the prophets who were called to speak to uh, God's people to turn back. So now we understand that God's people were in a position where they were away from the Lord. They had turned away from him. And what God had done was he had chosen prophets to say, repent and come back to the Lord. Right? So in that message, there was going to be someone that came, right? Just like Moses, there was going to be a prophet who was going to come from the Israelites. Again, now the prophets are talking about someone who would come born of a virgin, right? He's going to put the word he's going to put the commandments in our heart and the spirits in us he's going to give us a new heart and he's going to make us right follow god so this is going to be someone and this someone is actually jesus okay so everybody say jesus Amen. So say it again. Somebody, that, that, that was weak. Come on. Jesus. Hey, Jesus deserves some respect, okay? Right? So on the count of three, one, two, three. Jesus. Amen. Jesus, right? I guarantee you he's the answer to life. But if you put in a test, what is the square root of an imaginary number? And you put Jesus, I'm telling you right now, you're going to get that wrong. But still, Jesus is the answer to life. And we're going to actually learn that right now. Uh, if we can go to Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. Actually, I have a, uh, a picture for you guys. You can put that picture. God gives us gifts, and sometimes we need to get better at those gifts. But I had a drawing that the Lord gave me, right? This was a drawing that God gave me to summarize this whole series, right? This is an apple, okay? I know the tree, it could have been an apple tree, could have been a peach tree, could have been a fruit that was so amazing it got taken from us. But This is a fruit that's been eaten, right? This is symbolizing Adam. This is symbolizing humanity. This is symbolizing Moses, who has the Ten Commandments over his head, 613 around his neck. Basically, there's a lot of laws, right? How How many laws were there in the Old Testament? 613. And you had to obey all of them, 
right? So they all messed up with that, okay? Then there's the prophets. The prophets themselves, they would tell the people to repent. No one would listen to them. There was no one good enough to speak to God's people, to show them a sign to repent and to turn to them. All of them really realized the fail of their ministry, of their lives, and it was all their failures were pointing to one person, and that's Jesus. His teachings, his death, his resurrection, that's what we believe in. And this is it. In Christ, right, he points back to them, and he says, yeah, I did all that. Everything you guys try to do, everything Adam couldn't do, everything Noah couldn't do, everything David couldn't do, everything they couldn't do, everything humanity couldn't do with the law, with the prophets, I did it. I fulfilled it. In me, right? In me, you have life. So in him, there is life. But guess what? He died. He resurrected. People thought he was going to be another failure. Three days later, he said, nah. He lives. Everybody, everybody say he's alive. It ain't Easter, but guess what? We still celebrate the resurrection, amen, right? So then after that, he points. See, Jesus' hand is pointing to them, but his other hand is pointing to another thing, the world. You see, because it wasn't just, hey, man, Christ resurrected, and then the apostles started fishing, and they started playing pool, and they started, you know, playing football and basketball. I don't know what sport they had back then, probably soccer or something. Soccer's been around for a while. Or just start wrestling and, and doing stupid stuff. No. As soon as they found out Christ resurrected, he had gave them a mission. It was to go, okay? But why do they have that confidence to go? What is his teaching, what is the importance of his teaching, his death and resurrection that Paul was willing to say to his Jewish heritage it's nothing. Some of us, we're Puerto Rican here, and we can't look into the Puerto Rican flag and be like, that's nothing. We can't. Some of us, you know, we're black, but we can't let down that black pride. Some of us are white, and we want to think, uh, I'm not going to get there, right? But there's a white power. There's a, there's a people that think they're white supremacists that claim to be Christian. You know, not, not every white person is like that, right? We have, let me, see, let me hear, from, uh, hear from my white people in the place. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Amen. But there's a people that think they're better than other people and they claim to be Christian. Listen, it doesn't matter what race you are. In Christ, there's life. In Christ, we actually have purpose. We have hope. It's not found in your heritage. So, but here's the whole thing. The apostles, they were willing to drop everything. And it was because of this. We're going to go through the teachings of what Christ did. How, right? How he fulfilled what happened in, uh, to Abraham and Adam and Eve and the law and the prophets. We're going to go through that because it's important, Right? So everybody say, point to Christ. So understand the whole Old Testament is pointing to this right now. Ephesians 2, 11 to 13. If you have your Bibles, you can read along. If you have your cell phones, just read up here. There's no point. You know, it's right there. So therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles. Everybody say Gentiles. Okay, I'm going to just pick on someone. T-Rex, what's a Gentile? Boom, that's good. Oh, hey, give a hand clap for T-Rex. So, amen. If you guys can all pay attention here, so if you're on your phone, just please get off, look up. Listen, this is what's happening, okay? Remember that you were formerly who were, uh, uh, that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called the uncircumcised by those who are called the circumcision. Back then, they used to circumcise themselves in order to be a part of God's fold, right? It'd be a part of his special family. That means they would cut a foreskin off of their genitalia. It's, it's really hard and gruesome, but 
Guess what it's saying is that that no longer needs to happen. So if you're Puerto Rican, if you're black, if you're Mexican, if you're Guatemalan, if you're from Asia, guess what? You don't have to become Jewish and do all these religious things in order to be saved. Keep that in mind now. Keep that in mind. Uh, So then it says, remember that at a time you were separate from Christ. Everybody say separate. Separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in this world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, right? Let's all, let's all repeat. Let's all just together, right? Say that last verse on a count of three. Verse 13. One, two, three. But now in Christ Jesus... You who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So this is the first thing you need to understand. We are brought near to God. Nothing we can do can ever get us near to God. This was the point of Christ's coming was that he saw that humanity was futile in their ways to get to him. I was talking to an atheist man on Bourbon Street, and, you know, he was, he was curious, and, and he was curious about, uh, you know, Christianity. He was listening. He was receptive. And all of those people, right, they claim that they're baptized, they're good with God while they're drunk, smoking a blunt with their hand. And they have a blunt one hand, they're drunk with a beer in the next hand. They just came from a club that says barely legal, where they get to watch women who are barely legal strip. That's what happens on, Bur- on Bourbon Street. They watch women who are barely legal stripped. That means imagine you're 17 years old, you have no money, they recruit you and be like, guess what? Grown men can be perverts over you. That's Bourbon Street for you. And we're preaching the gospel to them, and they're, they're all saying they're Christians. So I'm talking to a one man, one man who's atheist, probably sees a bunch of people that claim to be Christian, not buying it all. But I told them this, right? Every other religion, they say that there's something wrong with us. Matter of fact, everybody says there's something wrong with us. I want to let you know, Islam, right? What is he going to do when he brings the, his, his religious life to God? Hey, man, I obeyed the five pillars. God who created the universe, who sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. What is he going to say back to him? Good job? What about Buddhists? What, are you just meditating on your chair all day? What, what is that doing? You gave to one poor person? What, 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 what is that doing? You're, you're talking to the God who provides food for the sparrow. He's, there's no one more humanitarian than God himself. What about the atheist, okay? You, you've done all these achievements. You're going to bring all those achievements to God and say, hey, look what I've done. Listen, no, we can't get to God no matter what we do, what we say, what religious thing we feel like we're affiliated with, none of that can bring us close to God. We have to be brought near to him. We have to be brought near to them. I used the example. Anybody ever heard of Gary Coleman? He's the one. It's a, yeah, the short guy, right? That always talks about, what you talking about, Willis? Anybody remember that? Right? Now, I always tell people, you ever been to a roller coaster ride? There's a, there's a, there's a standard everybody has to reach. Okay? It's about this tall. 40, yep. There's a height limit. Everybody has to reach that height limit. If someone was this tall, was to come up, right? No matter how much he tried to beg the person, no matter what he did, right? He cannot ride this ride because he was below the limit. And this is us. We have all fallen short of the standard of God. We are righteous midgets compared to God. We have done nothing good that could ever compete with God. Matter of fact, the only thing we can do, right? Jose always says it. He says our sin is about as high as the heavens. That's what the Bible teaches, right? That's the only thing that's getting high according to us is our sin. What we do, we can't stack it up to get to Christ. 
We can't. So Jesus came and he brought us near to him, right? And how did he do this? He did this by his blood. You see, Jesus shed his blood on the cross for us to be brought near to God. If we can put the verse back up. What does this do for us now? Well, this is what it does. It enables God's promises in our life. That means the promises, the promises of eternal life are ours. That means we can have God with us and in us now. Because when we were separated from Christ, okay, we were excluded from being a part of God's kingdom. That means we were outside the kingdom. We couldn't get in. No matter how much you prayed, no matter how much you went to church, no matter how much good you did, your sin was always there blocking you. Your inability to obey those Ten Commandments, I'm telling you, you broke it when you were four years old. Everyone here has set themselves up against the kingdom of God. But not only that, against each other. The Bible was talking about hostility towards the Gentile and the Jews. You see, in Christ, he died for the whole world. Yes, he died for Mother Teresa. He died for Hitler. He died for Mac Miller. He died for everybody to come to repentance. Doesn't matter who you are, what race you belong to, what religion you think you are. Some of us, I talk to people, I'm like, hey, why don't you preach to your friend? My friend's Muslim. And I look at them like, what does that have to do with anything? Muslims need Christ. They have a religion with no salvation, with no peace. They need Christ. They'll be like, man, my friend's atheist. Well, talk to him too. And then they'll be like, well, my friend's already Christian. You just told me your friend gets high every day and he always pressures you to smoke. Preach to him. Bring him to, bring him to Jesus, right? So everybody say brought near. So we're all brought near to Christ. And the promise that Abraham was given, right, about having as many descendants as the stars, the only reason we're a part of that now is because of the blood of Christ. So now when we look at the Old Testament, because of the blood of Christ, we share in his DNA spiritually. We get to look back at Adam. We get to look back at Abraham. We get to look back at Moses and be like, this right here, I'm a part of this story. This is how I came to know Jesus, my Savior. So we don't look back in the Old Testament bored and wondering what's going on. No, we understand when they start listing all those genealogies, they're waiting for the Messiah. They're looking forward to his coming, and they're waiting for the person that's going to save their souls and bring peace to the nations. That's what we understand. So everybody, again, say brought near. So we're brought near to God. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. You are not religious enough. You are not good enough. You and your flesh and your sin fall short. But there's good news. Jesus Christ died, shed his blood for all of our sins so that when he resurrected, we put, his faith, put our faith in him, we can be brought near to God. That's the gospel. That's the good news. That is what people are waiting years just to know, just to hear is the gospel. If we can go to Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. So we're brought near to God. When we're brought near to God, what does God decide to do? Let's read it, right? Ephesians 2, 14 through 18. It says, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one. Talking about Gentiles and Jews. He's made everybody one and, uh, and has destroyed the barrier dividing the wall of hostility. By setting aside in his flesh, Jesus became flesh, the law with its commandments and regulations, his purpose was to create in himself one, everybody say one, one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. 
and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he has put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. This is what happens, right? God, through Christ Jesus, right, he created a new humanity. I want you to understand this, that ever since the fall of Adam and Eve, people have been getting, trying to get back to what Adam lost. They're trying to be perfect. Why is it that everybody says, when you talk to them, how you doing? They're like, man, I'm just trying to be better. Why, why were you put into sports as a young person? It's to stay off the streets. Well, it's pretty obvious to stay off the streets, but why is there an inclination to get on the streets, start selling drugs, start doing all these things? Why is it that your parents put you in all these clubs to keep you good and keep you safe or whatever? It's because innately you're a sinner. And people try to protect sinners from, their, from what is obviously going to happen, which is death, as much as they can. So this is what happens now. Us, as humanity, we were messed up, all right? Adam and Eve, their fall messed us up, but everybody's been trying to get there. Everyone's been trying to get back. That's why all these religions start. They're trying to, like, they're trying to wonder, man, if I, if I do this, maybe I'll get back to perfection. I'll be a better person. And, dude, that's just not how it is. That's not what Christ intended because we could never be better in a damaged body. Imagine if you're in a damaged, sinful body. So imagine if you had a car, okay, and you, you let your friend borrow it. And let's say the transmission, he broke the transmission. He broke everything inside and guess what? We, everybody, if anybody's ever had a car, the parents had a car, if you mess up that transmission, you might as well just get a new car, sell the parts. But you know what he does? He says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to put a new, I'm going to put this man tinted windows. I'm going to put this man, I'm going to paint him a new color, his favorite color. I'm going to uh, give him plates that shine, right? I'm going to give him everything, hydraulics. I'm going to make his car look as good as possible. Make it look as good as possible. So when he drives it, he doesn't know it's broken. But how much you want to bet when he starts to drive it, that transmission starts messing up, the brakes fall out the car, all of a sudden he can't even drive it no more, it burns and it blows up. It looked good, but at the end it was broken. This is what many of you are going to look like if you try getting to God without his blood. This is what many of us look like when we're trying to make a new humanity ourselves. I see a lot on Facebook, the Amazon's on fire. And it's unfortunate. You see a lot of people saying, man, pray for the Amazon. They're always making people feel bad about plastic and everything. What they're trying to do is they're like, we got to save the world. We got to be eco-friendly. What they are ultimately trying to do, if you listen to them, is they're trying to start a new religion where they feel good about themselves. Everybody wants this new humanity, but only one person can give it, and that's Christ. In your school, you're going to be taught LGBTQT history for the first time. What they're trying to do is they're trying to make a new humanity where there's no genders, there's no roles, there's nothing that God ever put together. This is going to be the new humanity. But how much do you want to know? Now you see with uh, the drag queen hour, there's drag, there's drag queens that are convicted uh, pedophiles. They're letting them go into libraries. You see this new humanity already fell apart from when it started. You see there's nothing you can do that can be ever, ever better, ever better than what Christ did on that cross. Nothing you can ever do will ever replace the work that Christ did on that cross. I'm telling you, you can go to state championship five times in a row. 
You can go and be the best D1 player ever. You can go and be the best makeup artist ever. You can do whatever you can for yourself and for others, but it will never be what Christ did on that cross. You see, he took people that were far off. They were at war with each other, and you know what he did? He brought them near. You see, no one in this world has ever brought world peace. If we put our faith in Christ, we'll see world peace faster than anyone else. You see, there's not many places you can go where you find Latinos, you find Asians, you find blacks, you find gang members, you find all types of backgrounds in one building other than the church. Why? Because Christ has brought peace. He himself is our peace. And this is the thing. He He did it himself. He did it himself. He actually set aside. That means all the religious things that people think they need to do. When I was in Bourbon, I was like, hey, are you born again? They're like, yeah, I got baptized and I go to church. No, that's not what it means to be born again. They're like, what, what, what you mean it doesn't mean that? What? And they were confused and they got mad. Listen, you can be baptized. You can, you can obey the Ten Commandments. You can be a Jew. You can be the Jew of Jews. You can do whatever you can do, right? But here's the whole thing. Christ, all the works of this world, he has set them aside in his flesh. He has made them obsolete. He has made them useless. He, he basically on the cross said, listen, whatever you guys do will never do what I just did right now. Buddha said you can only save yourself. You know where Buddha is right now? He's in the grave. He's dead. You see, many of your professors, many of your teachers, they're going to tell you, hey, listen, that Christian stuff is cool, but don't waste your life on it. I'm going to look back to him. I'm going to be like, hey, your, your teaching's pretty cool. Don't waste your life on it. Listen, that's nothing. That professor, that teacher, that atheist, he's going to die 60 years ago. They're going to forget about him. You know who still reigns supreme? My Jesus. So this is the whole thing. He has brought peace among people that were separate. He has brought peace among people that were separate from God. The Bible says right here, uh, it says, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. So this is what he did. He took the Jews, right, who tried their best to obey the law, and he took the worst of the worst in the Gentiles. And what he did was, hey, you're far, you think you're near, I'm bringing you both to God. He brought us to him. He brought us to him by his blood. So what do we do, right? We simply have faith in that. We trust in that. And what did he do when he brought us near, right? How did he do that? He preached peace. He came and preached peace to you who are far away and peace to those who are near. Jesus preached peace. But when you look at Jesus' teachings, it doesn't seem like peace all the time. You see, it wasn't that fake peace that your school tries to teach you. Hey, don't judge people. Hey, man, be tolerant. Man, you, you can't be a good person if you're not tolerant. Hey, listen, listen, hey, listen, don't talk about that religious stuff. Keep that at home. You think, you think that's what Jesus did? When he, that's, you think that's what Jesus called peace? No, Jesus told people repent or perish. He said, I came to bring a sword between your household, your mother, your father, your aunts, your uncles, your brothers, your best friend. I came to pull a sword. You see, this isn't fake peace Jesus is talking about. Because this is the truth. Whether you want to believe it or not, you're at war within yourselves at times, right? If you don't know Jesus, the Bible says we're at war with ourselves. We constantly do what we don't want to do. And when we do it, we wish we wouldn't do it. We're, without Christ, we're double-minded individuals waiting to fall. So Jesus didn't need fake peace. He was trying to reach every one of our souls. See, this peace that he preached 
brings us, reconciles us, brings us back into relationship with God. It doesn't just make us feel better about ourselves. It doesn't just make us happy. If you came to church to feel happy and feel better about yourself, you're, this is the wrong message for you. You see, this is peace from Christ. This isn't peace in your sin. You want to feel better in your sin? Go to another church. You want to feel better away from Christ? Go to another church. You need peace from Christ. And he died on the cross and shed his blood to give it to you. If we can go to Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. When he reconciles us back, right? He set aside the law. All the 316 things uh, Moses commanded us to do through God, or God commanded us to do, do through Moses, he has set that aside. And he says, no, the only thing you do is you have faith in me. And what that faith does, it changes us. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, everybody say in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. You see this right here? This is what every religion wishes to hear. You see, there's no other religion that says God loves you, God lives in you. God is always some faraway being that you will never know. He's always some distant person that is never there for you in times of trouble. He's always some person you've got to pray to a stupid-looking idol for 10 days, some Guadalupe, some Mary, just to hear a response. But my God right now is alive, and he's inclined. He's waiting to hear a prayer from you. He is listening to everyone on earth. But guess what? Guess what? That doesn't mean everyone's included in this. Some of us are still excluded. Some of us are still foreigners, still strangers to the kingdom of God. Why? It's because we're trying to get around the kingdom. We're trying to, we're trying to get around it any other way but through the door of Christ. You see, Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is the only way we can become citizens. It's when he reconciles us back that we become citizens of the kingdom of God. And then guess what? We now become just like Jesus, the word cornerstone. It's the first stone set in a building. Every stone after that is just like the cornerstone. You cannot be a part of the church if you're not like the cornerstone. You right now that are claiming to be Christian, claiming to be in heaven, if you don't look like the cornerstone Christ himself, you're not a part of the church at all. Matter of fact, you are far away from God. You are far away from God. The only thing left for you is hell. You see, everyone here has to look like the cornerstone. And like I said, I told you, it's not by your works. Jesus saves you. He transforms you. He makes you just like himself. But if you're not like him, you're not part of the church. You're not a part of the church. You may come to this building, but you're not part of the holy temple. You see, many of us, we come to church to worship. The Bible states that we and ourselves have the full presence of God, the Holy Spirit in us, where we can worship God wherever. In spirit and in truth. Many of us, we have to come to church just to feel the presence of God. I want you to know the only thing you're feeling is emotions if you're not, if you're not living holy. You see, what the presence of God does is it's not some bogus looking temple that has its windows busted. It's not some bogus little place that is ran down. It's a holy temple. Holy means set apart different than others. 
You go to school, if you're a part of the cornerstone, you're not going to be smoking drugs, getting drunk. You're not going to be having sex outside of marriage. You're not going to be joining in perverted uh, jokes. You're going to be living like Christ wherever you go. Why? Because you're built just like the cornerstone. You're a part of his church. You're a part of his, you're, you're, you're a part of this body, this thing that's being built up. Everything is being joined together. You're not alone either. You got people that are near you. You got people in other countries. Everyone here, the purpose of humanity is right here. We are being built together right now. And if you read Ephesians a little bit more, it'll, it'll go into the purpose of the church. But I, I, I want to start ending right now. If I can have the altar workers and Lawrence come up. This is it, guys. What you've been looking for in church it's only found in Christ. Church is the product of what Christ did. If you want to live holy, if you want to live right, listen, you can't be doing what Abraham did. You can't be doing what Moses did. You can't be doing what all these people in the Old Testament did in actions. You got to take example. They had faith. And what they did by faith is they trusted God. Now with us, we have to have faith. We have to trust God. As people who look like Christ, everywhere we go now, we have to look like Christ. That happens because we have the dwelling, that means the living place, in which God lives by His Spirit. That means God lives in you. God lives in you. Some of us leaders, we come around your shoulder, you'll be cussing, you'll be doing all this stuff. The minute you see us, they're like, oh, snap. Dude, you're afraid of us. You should be afraid of God. Dude, God sees every sin you've ever done. He's read every thought you've ever thought. Matter of fact, everything you've ever said, he's already known it. God already knows who you are. Matter of fact, he still died for you. You see, what people have been waiting for thousands of years, hundreds of years, everything, right? Every religion, what they've been aiming for, guess what's being preached tonight? Elevate. What it wants. Peace with God. His presence in us. That's what everybody's been waiting for. And guess what is available today? Just that. We have access to the Father, to the God who created the universe. If I, if I can have a, a, just a female deacon come up, please. Listen, this is what God has done for us that no one can outdo. If you guys could all stand Listen, we, we have uh, an altar call. If you're new here, what that basically is, is that we have two people that are willing to pray for you, guys with guys, girls with girls. This is Jose. This is my wife, Karina. She will pray for you. He will pray for you. And what we want to do is we want to help you, right, get to know Jesus. We can't save you. We can't die for you, right? We can't do anything that Jesus did. But what we can do is we can walk you through it. How do I come to put faith in Christ? Also, for those that have been here before, the altars are open. But for those who are far away from Jesus, right? You've been, you've been trying to do it like Moses. You thought you've obeyed the Ten Commandments, found out there were 613. You've been trying to do the religious thing. You were baptized as a child. You just did it to please your parents. Listen, all these things that people have been doing for years, you've been doing, and it has got you nowhere. You're far off from Christ. And let's say you are the worst of the worst. Let's say you do smoke drugs. Let's say you've never been to church. You've never heard the gospel. And you're like, man, God doesn't want me. I refer to Josie's testimony. God wants you. He wants to save you. He wants to reconcile you back to him. 
so that we, he can have a relationship with you. And for those that are citizens of heaven and they want to continue to live like the cornerstone and preach peace wherever they go, I want you guys to come up because the school year is approaching and we don't want timid preachers in schools anymore. We're tired of just seeing people pass out pizza and never preaching the gospel. We're tired of these people that are shy when sin is bold. Listen, I want to pray for those that know their disciples, that know they're with Christ, that know they are just like the cornerstone. They're being built up, right? They are being transformed, right? Glory to glory in order to bring the kingdom of God to earth, right? I want you guys to come up as well. We're going to start praying. But listen, everyone, bow your heads, close your eyes. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, just for your message. For those who are far off, I pray, God, that you would speak to them, that you would bring them near, near God. I pray that the blood that you shed would be enough for them, that the blood on the cross, the blood that stained that cross, and your resurrection would be enough to convince them that you're all they need. Because the truth is, God, you are all we need. You are all we need in this earth. Not a religion could replace you. Not a relationship with anyone in this earth can replace you. We don't want false peace. We want the peace that you preach, God. So I pray that everyone that is far from you, that is living separate from you, Jesus, I pray that they would repent and come to know you. And I pray for those that do know you, that are citizens in this kingdom, that are brothers and sisters in Christ, that are inheritance of your, of your, your promises. I pray for boldness, Lord. I pray that when they speak, they would not be afraid. I pray when they speak, you would give them words to say. Lord, I pray that no one in this room would leave the same. We would leave marked by your presence. We would know that God lives in us. Hallelujah. With eyes closed, guys, I want you to pray. Speak to God.